And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. You know, I was going to start with a visit to the failed academy, but yes. I've, uh, I've, I've veered off. Uh, I want to start with Hurricane Florence. Okay. Did you see the picture? Oh, I'm talking to people in Bulgaria. Of course, they didn't see the picture. There's a front page picture on the of the, in the Pioneer Press today. Yes. Of a looks to be a very expensive beach home. I commented on that this morning with my wife. Uh, what was your What was your immediate um, reaction to uh, to the setup there? Well, I bet it's the same as mine. Ding ding! <laughs> right? Uh, sandbags surround homes on North Topsail Beach, North Carolina, on Wednesday as Hurricane Florence threatens the coast. The National Weather Service said 5.25 million people live in areas under hurricane warnings or watches, and 4.9 million. Uh, live in places covered by tropical storm warnings or watches. So here's a picture of what looks to be, I would say, a very pricey beachfront house. Uh, yes. And there's a, a, a makeshift wall of sandbags in front of it that wouldn't stop a two-year-old. Right. It looks like it's about, you know, maybe two bags high. Yeah, it's two bags high. This will do it. They're talking about a 13-foot surge. <laughs> yes. I said that immediately to my wife. I said, oh, no. I hope they just started, and this right. is not their completed. We're on break. We got it, Henry. We're good, <laughs> Eliza. Okay, but here's the other thing I thought. I'm not sure I can develop a lot of sympathy for the owner of this house. I, I wish this fellow or woman no harm whatsoever, okay. and I would hope that they're not there physically. But what the hell do you expect when you build a house about five feet from the ocean? Well, and they don't have uh, boarded-up windows. They just kind of, let's throw some bags down there and let's take off. Well, so you, my assumption, and when I saw the photo, I thought I thought the same thing you guys did, but is this an assumption that they're saying, eh, we're going to roll the dice? Well, I don't know. My larger point is, and I'm, I'm developing my larger point here, uh, my larger point is, I'm, if I could afford it, I'm not building a house five feet from the ocean. Uh, yes. I, I, I have maintained... My relationship with nature. This, to me, is an example of man, mm-hmm. hu- 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 humans, us. us, losing touch with nature. What in God's name do you think you—what, are you just going to bet you're going to be lucky for— Well, okay, okay, let's play this game. You've been to Naples. Yeah. You've been uh, to Naples? Gulf Shore, uh, Gordon Drive. Yeah. Those people—I mean, those are— Thirty million dollar mansions. Yep, and you can you can walk the beach behind their house. Yep, and they are literally five feet away from. Uh, I, I'm not up to speed completely on the risk they face of versus the North Car- the Carolinas. Right. Okay, right. Uh, plus, they are thirty million dollar homes that are built with tremendous integrity. That's true. Uh, this place looks like you know. Ding, ding. You know, <laughs> hey, I'm sure it's pricey, but uh, look at me. I'm five feet from a hurricane. Well, yeah. good luck to you, pal. And the old man calls the wife. 
say, Lucille, did the boys uh, get those bags all done like I told them today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they got them bags yeah, done. Yeah, they're yeah. there. You can get them. So, they're playing video games. You know how over the years I've said I always like to find material that uh, vindicates me or corroborates mm-hmm. something I've long held to be truthful. Certainly. And, and then I come across it from an independent source, and I feel somewhat vindicated. Yes. And today, uh, of all places, there's a piece in USA Today written by Gregory Cordy. And it's a terribly inconvenient piece for the uh, the global warming crowd. Okay, I'm very surprised that USA Today ran it, uh, only because of its inconvenience to the movement, to the activist movement, that we must do something about our behavior in America. Don't forget India and China. It's only America. Okay, yeah. The, the activists only want to cite Americans for being responsible. We're the bad ones. We're the bad people. Okay. Uh by the time the winds died down, and, wait a minute, three catastrophic hurricanes made U.S. landfall within 30 days of each other last year, causing more than $250 billion in losses. By the time the winds died down and the floodwaters receded, Harvey, Irma, and Maria were three of the five most destructive hurricanes in U.S. history, and 2017 was the costly, costliest hurricane season ever. But despite that exceptional cluster of storms, It's not that hurricanes are getting stronger or more frequent that's making them more expensive. It's that there's more in the way for the storms to destroy. Uh I've been saying this for ages. As Hurricane Florence takes aim at the Carolinas this week, emergency management officials, meteorologists, and insurance companies are looking as much as what's in its path as they are at the strength of the storm itself. The damage trend is obviously through the roof, but most of that trend is due to population growth along the coastline, said Phil Klotzbach, a meteorologist at Colorado State University. There's just more people in harm's way, unfortunately. And not only are there more people, but we're more affluent than our parents were. And then he goes on to to discuss uh, there's less room for the wind and rain to go because the— the buildup of homes and roads and whatever, the storms aren't any different. Right. They're, they're just cyc- more they're of cyclical. us. Right. They're cyclical. Well, and what a what a perfect example of what this fellow wrote. And to see the this to me, this the preposterous location of this house on uh, North Topsail Beach, North Carolina. I'm sure it's nifty, isn't sure it? Sure it is. Yeah. I mean it would be Well what do you expect, pal? What the hell do you think? Yeah, that I, I... Are these, homes, are these homes built by people so affluent they don't care if they get knocked down? They've got great insurance policies? I think that's my guess. If you if you got that kind of dough to build a spot like that, you're not going to waste your time preparing it for what might happen. Yeah, is, you might not worry about is it. Is that an AP photo? I, who gets credit for that photo? Uh, yes. I wonder. Chuck Burton, Associated Press. Boy, I really hope Chuck makes it back. To that location. I don't. Again, we don't wish any ill will on the. Oh, home to do like a follow up. Just to see yeah. what kind of damage on that same location. What happened to that? I wish. House. I wish news gatherers would also do follow ups on the people who are going to stay and ride it out. I'd like to know how they did. I, it. There's no way in hell I would stay there. Fortunately, it's weakening. Yeah, it's, it's weakening. still bad. It, it still sounds like it's going to be a very significant rain event. But the winds, even this house pictured here, isn't going to get knocked down by a hundred mile an hour wind. Right, right. Is the, the the people that are writing it out? Is that a place of, you know, bring it on, or is that just a place of pure stupidity? Well, driving home yesterday, I'm flipping through some satellite radio channels. Mm-hmm. We can say that now. Sure, why right. not? Sure. And and, and CNN, 
whoever was on CNN at 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon or 1.30, was interviewing a woman who's going to write it out because she doesn't want to disrupt the routine of her dogs. I knew you were going to say that. She does not. She said they're rescue dogs and they're very frightened of men. And uh, she said her nephew was going to come and help her, but she's staying there. Uh, I can't remember where they said she lived. Obviously, she was in harm's way. But I'm staying for my dogs because I think it'll be more comfortable for the dogs. Woof. Yeah, I'm sure the dogs are gone. You know what? I think we'd like to. We're good. Oh, well, that's true, though. What do you think of all the... um all the pets. If you go somewhere and you and you stay in a in an open area of the Salvation Army, what is the pet? You got cats or dogs? Just before we went on the air, an emailer alerted me to a piece uh, how you can uh, useful household hacks you would consider in advance of a hurricane. Hey, well, here's one that really intrigues me. Uh, see if you can figure it out. Freeze a cup of water and then put a quarter on top of it and then leave it in your freezer. Freeze, wait. Freeze a, freeze a cup of water. Yep. And then place a quarter on top of it. What once it's frozen? Yeah, once it's frozen. Why? Place the quarter on top of it. That's what I'm asking. Why? Why do you think someone would do that? It's a pretty good tip. Would it? Hmm. I'm trying to think because eventually, if, if I'm thinking of losing power, would it melt? Would it then? Well, yeah, result that's part in... of it. What What it does is you can tell if your food has gone bad. If you come oh. back, if you come back. And the core, uh, the uh, the cup is frozen again, but the quarters at the bottom of the cup, you knew there was a great thawing that took place. So then your food is bad. Okay, that's clever. I didn't that's know. That's not you're... bad. Yeah. Uh, or order you, would probably tip it off. Or too. you know what? I think a really smart idea would do: get a milk jug, freeze that baby, and put it in your freezer. Why well, stop at a cup? Well, that's true. Because then you can provide, in case the power goes out, well, you still have a block of ice. Well, another tip is freeze Ziploc bags with water, uh, and then uh, the water will turn to ice. Therefore, keep your freezer cool if your refrigerator loses power. Plus, when the ice melts, you'll have drinking water. Hmm. Use your washing machine as a cooler. Fill your washing machine with ice. Hmm. Well, you can keep drinks and other perishable items cold in case you lose power during Might the storm. Might have to do that this weekend. Ain't got to chill no bourbon. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Create what size, your, what that, size wash you got there? Oh, case. Yeah. Is that vodka bottle frozen <laughs> yet in that freezer? Create uh, the flashlight king is interested in this. Create your own soft glow lights. If you lose power, there's another way to light your house without turning to candles. Instead, tape flashlights or headlamps to a water bottle or milk jug to illuminate a room with soft glow. Mm, safer than candles. I know what you're thinking, rookie. You're going immediately to Halloween. I know that's what you're thinking right now. Well, uh, no, I was I was thinking this. I was thinking... Fill your bathtub with water. What? Uh, you should fill your bathtub with water, and then that water can be used for cleaning, drinking, or flushing toilets if power is down for an extended period of time. Did Dad plan on falling in the bathtub, or was it by accident? No, I was. my advice for flashlights is if the power is out, always shine it on the ceiling, and you will get a much better glow. Never oh, go this go. way. Shine it up That's to the well. ceiling... And it will flow through. I don't think you're on much of a limb there, are you? No, it's just, it's just I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna lose any power here, but if just in case somebody's listening, they All would right. they would be able to to do that. Thank you. Commencing garage logic segment number two. 
What are we to make of uh, one of our favorite guys, Norm MacDonald? Funny guy. Well, I like him. He, they disinvited him from The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at a hard... This is terrible, what's happening to this country. Uh, the club, the club got to him. The leftist club. Mm-hmm. And he had to apologize. Uh he made some comments about the Me Too movement, and that caused the Tonight Show to cancel his appearance. And then, then Norm Macdonald, much to my surprise, uh, started apologizing. He didn't do anything wrong. It's like the guy who was head of Twitter had to apologize when he ate a Chick Fil A. Right. The club, the club doesn't allow you to think for yourself. And I, I, I had more hope in Macdonald that he would have uh, spurned the club because he speaks his mind and said, "Hey, I'm a comedian. This is." I don't know what he said, so I don't know if it was overly— He told The Hollywood Reporter that he was happy the Me Too movement has slowed down a little bit. Uh, McDonald said, people used to get a second chance in life, but now there is no forgiveness. Uh, He mentioned Louis C.K. and Roseanne Barr. There are very few people that have gone through what they have, losing everything in one day. Of course, people will go, what about the victims? But you know what? The victims didn't have to go through that, McDonald said. Then in an interview with uh, Howard Stern on Wednesday— Yesterday, while explaining and apologizing for his remarks, McDonald said, of course, I I feel sorry for the victims of sexual misconduct. My point is the club was willing to kick him out. Right. And apparently he so wants to remain in the club that he'll take his marching orders from the one mindset that exists in the club. The uh, the liberal progressive mindset is that you must think what we tell you to think, what we all agree on. It's okay for Keith Ellison, by the way, to be accused of uh, domestic. Yeah. No, you know, you're, you're left enough. Go ahead. Yeah, he's all right because he's in because he's in the club. Right. But McDonald uh, is apologizing now. There's a part of me that's being very cynical here. Okay. Could this be a case of headdressing? Hmm. Headdressing for those of you unfamiliar with the term, is when a celebrity will knowingly do something stupid, like wear a a Native American headdress at a concert, Mm -hmm. knowing that they'll get uh, reams of publicity for removing the headdress and apologizing about it. Was that Katy Perry? I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's called headdressing. Well, McDonald uh, has a show with Netflix that debuts Friday. And he's been getting his name all over the news now. Mm. Is that headdressing? Boy, if Netflix if Netflix doesn't cancel his show, and I they're not they probably, going. Like, they should not. I don't think they should. As a result, well, they're of not going said. to. Uh, then Net- I think publicity's done. A Netflix spokeswoman said the streaming service has no comment on McDonald's remarks, but McDonald told Stern he had talked to Netflix chief content officer Ted Sarandos about the interview, and he knows I'm a good guy. Uh, in other words, uh, Netflix is. Uh, uh, not going to uh, cancel his show. It debuts Friday. It's called Norm McDonald Has a Show. Norm McDonald, to my way of thinking, is a terribly funny guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's funny. But it's astonishing to me the people who are willing to allow the club, the leftist club, to establish what you can think. Right. And the, the line keeps moving. There's no, uh, uh, they make exceptions like Keith he Ellison. He didn't say anything outlandish. No. But do you think in this specific case, because Norm isn't viewed as one of those guys that is "quote unquote" in the club, mm-hmm. if this is the if if this is the world that you want to work, if this is the 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 career, the path that you have chosen, chose chose it baseball that you chose that oh, you my chose chosen baseball 
for me. You have to play this game. Unfortunately, you do. I'm if not. if I you want to be successful. I, I wouldn't either. I'm just saying for Norm McDonald specifically. I is guess he that's just, why we're not successful. Is, <laughs> <laughs> but there you know is I, that. Do you get what I'm saying? That of course he, I do. Because he, he, is, he is saying, well, I... He might have even issued the non-apology apology just to go along. No, he didn't. Uh, no, he. I, I get that. Yeah, he did give the apology. Wait, wait but. it is a little bit of a non-apology apology. Uh, if my words sounded like I was minimizing the pain that their victims feel to this day, I am deeply sorry, McDonald tweeted. That's a non-apology apology. If, if I sounded like I was, if. Mm-hmm. That's a non-apology apology. Does that let him off the hook with GLers? I think so. I don't think what he said was – I, I understood what he was saying. I'm just uh, amazed that there are people in the United States who no longer believe they can think for themselves. That's dangerous. You, you can only think what that leftist hectoring crowd will allow you to think. How could you – Look at yourself in the mirror and play that game. Beyond me. He didn't say anything that even merited an apology. And you would think with his glibness, he could have come back with something biting and funny and and sardonic or whatever. But no, it's just amazing to me. It's just absolutely amazing. Refresh my memory. How did it start? I guess he was being interviewed by the Hollywood Reporter. And somehow the Me Too movement came up and he said, I'm glad to see that's winding down. You know, okay. Used to be a time in this world where you could uh, get forgiveness. Not anymore. And he says, really. And he said, Barr and Louis C.K. He didn't downplay what they did. He said they were idiotic, but they lost everything in one day. Right. Wow. Louis C.K. made an appearance recently, and I'm trying to find the quote. He was he he was on a one of the one of the night shows. I can't remember which one. Um, And his appearance. I, I'm, what I'm getting to is the, whoever the host was, I'm trying to figure if it was Seth Meyers, whoever it was, was kind of making light of, oh, well, you're, you're free now. You know, you're kind of out of out of the woods, so mm-hmm. to speak. And mm-hmm. and that went that went hardly uh, – uh, no one really brought attention to it is what I'm trying to say, yeah. which well, I find which I find humorous. Well, it's a it's a it's a sideline story, but. Uh, late night television isn't what it used to be. Oh God, it's, it's, no. these are all political shows now, and they're all of the left. How does that happen? What I mean? Oh, Jay Leno was our last Republican. Our, our right leaning. Doesn't even right have leaning. Any, doesn't even have anything to do with right or left. It's just you know Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and then whoever the hell else there. They're all in the club. Mm-hmm. You can only think what you're supposed to, what you're told to. And to the point where, who's got the Tonight Show? Jimmy Fallon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently, he didn't have the balls to go and say, hey, don't disinvite Norm MacDonald. I want to talk to him. And Jimmy is the kind of guy that won't do that because he is afraid yeah. of the crowd. Because that's his audience. What a bunch of B as in B, S as in S. Pandas. 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 We could even say the other word now. No. no. Ah. Bad guy. Hey. Not a tough guy. Huh? Not a tough guy. Not a tough guy Not is a what tough I'm saying. Guy. We got to visit the failed academy, and I don't know how many segments it will require, but we have to visit. You know, school's back in session yep, now. Yep. Uh, the sheep are flocking back to the campuses, <laughs> and uh, what you are going to learn will will undoubtedly not surprise you because you've been attending the University of Garage Logic all these years. Right? <laughs>
commencing the large logic segment number three. Hey, teacher, leave those kids alone. Hey, teacher, leave them kids alone. All in all, it's just another brick in the wall. Why is it a podcast uh, uh, rule that you can't use uh, music recorded by other people? Is it an FCC thing? Do you um, do you really want the long-winded explanation? Well, I would like you to provide some explanation. It's, it doesn't need to be long-winded. It's It, it involves lawyers. Okay. But what, when we were live on AM radio, we could use other people's music. Because broadcast radio um, pays... ASCAP and BMI. Correct. And, and why don't we then? It can't be that expensive. It's completely yeah, yeah, different. Yeah, 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 it can. It is expensive? Well, it, because uh, because Hubbard is licensed with three separate radio stations. Yeah. 1500 ESPN, MyTalk 1071, and of course the big the big dog, KS95. Right. They're paying that so that all sta- all of those stations... Right. Yeah. And that just doesn't apply to podcasts. Correct. And that's true of all podcasts in the country? Yes. Okay. But we can play music if we have written permission. If you're a band and you give us yeah. written permission yes. to play your bumper tunes, yeah. we can do that. Well, let's write to all our favorite bands. All right. Okay, let's do that. Well, you, can you do that or won't you? I'm not sure yet. All right. But for instance, you know the songs you're hearing, that's all Johnny and Dylan Height. Right. right. And right. we have their permission right. to use their stuff. I'll work on Would it be funny if Height sued us? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Right. Say, let's start uh, visiting the Destroyed Academy with today's uh, column by George Will that ran in the Pioneer Press. Uh, George is uh, eloquent and quite well-versed on this, and he too recognizes the Destroyed Academy. And uh, he writes uh, the following... uh, the Manhattan Institute's Heather McDonald says that between 1997-98 academic year and the Great Recession year of 2008-09, while the University of California student population grew 33% and tenure track faculty grew 25%, senior administrators grew 125%. Mm. The ratio of senior managers to professors climbed from 1 to 2.1 to near parity of 1 to 1 to 1. In her just-published book, The Diversity Delusion, How Race and Gender Pandering Corrupt the University and Undermine Our Culture, McDonald writes that many students have become what tort law practitioners call eggshell plaintiffs, people who make a cult of fragility being triggered by this or that idea of speech. Uh, The language of triggering converts students into objects for the sake of rendering their reactions objective and by extension valid. A student's triggered response is no more to be questioned than an apple's falling downward or a spark's flying upward. So the number of things not to be questioned on campuses multiplies. I emailed George this morning and invited him on the show. Uh, And I thought I would capture his attention by closing with, by the way, I think I knew the guy who sold you a Jag back in 2001. (laughs) George Will was in the Twin Cities on September 11, right. 2001, and when he realized the uncertainty of uh, air travel, he went across the street to Hanser Pontiac and bought an XJ6, and uh, or maybe at that time an XJ8, and uh, drove it back drove it back east. And I did know the guy who sold him the car. Wow. Well, I hope he gets in touch with you. Yeah. Uh, Think he still has it? 
I don't know. Oh, 17 years ago. Students encouraged to feel fragile will learn to recoil from microaggressions, so micro that few that can discern them. A University of California guide to microaggressions gave these examples of insensitive speech. Quote, I believe the most qualified person should get the job. That's considered a microaggression. Hmm. And everyone can succeed in this society if they work hard enough. Fragile students are encouraged in narcissistic victimhood by administrators whose vocation is to tend to the injured. These administrators are, McDonald argues, determined to preserve in many of their students the thin skin and solipism of adolescence. It's just amazing. Uh, he's, he's talking, uh, again, far more eloquently than we have, about the very destroyed academy that we're, we're now uh, talking about virtually in every show. So let's move on from George. All right, George Will. What's next? Uh, this is a piece by Rick Eisenberg I saw on Fox News. Earlier this year, my colleagues and I won a case for John McAdams, a tenured political science professor at Marquette University, who the university attempted to fire for writing an accurate and civil blog post, even though academic freedom was guaranteed in his contract. And now we're back in court defending freedom at another college. This time the offender is a public institution, the Northeast Wisconsin Technical College in Green Bay, which refuses to let its students exercise their constitutional free speech rights. Its transgression, while serious, is not unique in academia. Here's what happened. On Feb 14, Valentine's Day, student Polly Olson handed out about a dozen Valentines on campus bearing religious messages such as, Jesus loves you. Within a few minutes, an alarm was sounded. Hearing of what was later called suspicious activity, campus security officers descended upon Olson and escorted her to their office. They demanded Olson cease handing out Valentines because she was in direct violation of the school's public assembly policy. She was, according to one officer, soliciting outside of the school's designated free speech zone without a permit. <laughs> this uh, school restricts free speech to a tiny, inconvenient corner of campus. It states that protests, demonstrations, and distributions of literature, that is speech, can only take place in a dedicated public assembly area, which by our estimation is less than a half acre. Like the green zone in Times Square. Oh. Wow. Let's turn to a sociology professor from whom I might have expected such a thing. Sociology professor Mark Bird shot himself. Uh -oh. In a bizarre event on his second day of classes at the College of Southern Nevada. And police say he told them he did it to protest Donald Trump. Attaboy. I'll what? show you, you Trump. You I'm going to shoot him. myself. Ready, aim, fire. <laughs> Honest to God. Ready, aim, you're fired. On August 28, no. campus police found Bird bleeding outside a bathroom on campus with a self-inflicted shot to his arm. He had politely taped a $100 bill to the mirror for the janitor, ostensibly for the mess he had caused. They found a 22 caliber pistol in the bathroom. Bird, who was 69, was an emeritus professor and was not scheduled for any classes in the 2018 year. Even more bizarre was the only indication given in the police report for his motivation. He told people he shot himself in order to protest Donald Trump. What? In your arm? You need your arms. The president of the college's faculty union criticized the school for their lack of transparency. They never really told the students much about it, except that it was resolved on the actual day of the shooting, Robert Manis told the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Do you have a—what was he charged with? Discharging a gun within a prohibited structure, carrying a concealed weapon without a permit, and possessing a dangerous weapon on school property. Wow. He's a moron. Well, he is a moron. He's a complete idiot. You can't bring a firearm on a campus. I'm surprised he wasn't charged with more. 
Uh, well, he was showing. Oh, did, was he licensed? I missed that. No, he said he didn't. He didn't have a, oh. a permit to carry. Oh my gosh! What an idiot, though. Complete I'm going to show you, Trump. Right yep. here we go. Well, he got national news for it, but I don't think the president's going to adjust his uh, attitude or policies due to the fact that a 69-year-old prof shot himself in the arm. Let's visit Cornell. Oh, what's going on at Cornell? Is it Cornell that's famous for its hotel school? Yeah, I'm already already looking it up, Rob. I think it is. I think it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think they have a, a school of hotel management. Cornell, private statutory Ivy League research university. Okay. Uh, from the classics to the sciences to the theoretical to the applied. It does not. Well, what am I thinking of? What's uh, Google? One of you, two. I'm on it. Quickly Google what college is noted for its hotel management what courses. I thought it was Cornell. It's not. It's neither here nor there, but now it's a fly in the ointment, and I have to know. Now you want to know. <laughs> know immediately. Yeah, I have to know now. I'm a bad waiter. The 30 best hospitality programs? Cornell. Cornell. You're I know right. it's Cornell. All right. You want the rest of the 29? No. no. You sure? What else you got? No. Let's go to Cornell. Student groups at Cornell will now be charged a security fee when sponsoring controversial Wait a or high-risk events. Stop. Yeah. Why do you know that Cornell University is known for its hospitality I program? I know lots of stuff. <laughs> I know a million things about not very much. I know a lot about a million things, but not a lot about one thing. You are messed up. Well, right. no, you know, Cornell, I'm going to go there. You know. May I do the story, please? Sorry. Let's hear Cornell, what do you got? Here we go. Students, uh... Student groups at Cornell will be charged a security fee when sponsoring a controversial or high-risk event. Depending on the type and size of event, groups can be charged baseline fees between $290 and $2,248. What do you think constitutes controversial high-risk? A conservative. Uh, While there is no objective standard of high-risk or controversial, Cornell does provide some guidelines as to what constitutes an event in need of security. The school's guide tells groups to ask themselves a variety of questions, including, has a similar event been characterized as controversial or problematic by any media? Well, yeah. Anytime Ben Shapiro shows up at a university, the media covers it like he's controversial. Right. Uh, Does your gut tell you this event might be controversial? Ultimately, the events management planning team, a committee comprised of administrators from various departments, including campus police and the dean of students, will determine if an event is controversial on a high or high risk on a case-by-case basis. Well, you know damn well what this means. Uh, it means if you're bringing a conservative in here, oh, we're going to consider that controversial because we might have to get the police out because it, that a, cons- a presence of a conservative on campus could constitute a, a microaggression. Mm-hmm. You could feel threatened. <laughs> it would really ruin your day, week, month, year. Uh Cornell notes that if the security fees exceed the baseline estimate, the university will pay up to a grand of the additional cost to secure the event. Uh, Cornell has a responsibility to ensure that campus events are planned with consideration for the safety of our students, faculty, staff, and visitors. Uh, don't tell me what this is about. I know what this is about. Do you bust that one out at, ho- at like, dinner parties? What? Did you know that uh, Cornell's, Cornell's big the- in the hospitality industry? No, I—, I uh, 52 grand a year. Wow. 52853 was the 2017 tuition. Conservative students are not only pummeled with ideology from professors, they are now openly bullied and mocked for their beliefs by both faculty and fellow students alike. 
You never read much about this. I get a lot of that material from campus reform. Uh, the mainstream news gatherers don't cover this kind of stuff because it fits their agenda. It fits the template of news gathering that you would consider the presence of uh, uh, a conservative, a conservative or... on campus could be controversial because that could frighten the children. High, high risk or that at could, risk? That could, that could frighten the kids. Yeah. That could frighten the kids. Uh, we're not done. We're not done with uh, the academy yet. You got more coming yeah, up? Yeah, a little more. We're still visiting the uh, destroyed academy, and I'm still waiting for my friend George Will to respond. Maybe he doesn't do radio shows. I'm sure if he did his research, he would. He would be more than happy to chat with you. Tell him it's not a radio show, it's a podcast. Uh, That's right. Right. (laughs) In fact, I didn't say that. (laughs) I said, would you like to come on the show? Oh, there you go. Podcast. Now, this following a visit to the destroyed academy should remind you of something. Okay. Let me see how sharp you are. Okay. From all your years attending the University of Garage Logic, home of now. the Fighting Stogies. But I don't guess now. We once beat the College of Self Esteem 98 to nothing. Isn't that unreal? Mm-hmm. We didn't even apologize for winning that big either. I bet you're going to be. I bet you're going to get it. What I'm thinking of. I bet you'll remember it. I don't want this kind of pressure. This is a. This is a podcast. This is all laid back and. You listen whenever you want, Ron. The images of several students from a French art school were darkened to add diversity in a promotional photograph as part of a plan to open a school in the United States. I instantly was reminded of something. Um, was it a yearbook? Was it a? It was. A, it was a picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was. Uh, it was a. Somebody was singled out. Wasn't it the University of Wisconsin? It, uh, it might have been Madison. It was Madison. And uh, it, it was a, didn't they turn a guy into a, a yeah, black guy? Yeah, a black guy. It was a, it was a, it was a picture <laughs> of a bunch of people, and this guy was made out to be yeah. a, a African-American Because they didn't have enough to, black see, guy. Yeah, they needed a black guy. Why didn't they just go get a black guy for the picture? That was pretty good. That was about 10, 15 years ago, maybe. Yeah. The Emile Cole Art School in Lyon, France, okay. or is it Lyon? L-Y-O-N. Lyon, Lyon if you were Lyon. French. Uh-huh. I am. Yeah. Not really. Land cleared of stumps. That's what Soucheret means. <laughs> the Emile Cole Art School in Lyon, France, apologized after students saw their faces digitally darkened in a group photo posted on the American version of the school's website, uh, according to CNN, adding that two black people were added to the group in the manipulated version. Uh, the school has been planning to open a branch in L.A. in the next four years, CNN said, and blamed the faux pas on the communications company it hired in the U.S. The communication company decided on its own to darken the skin of some students to add diversity, Emmanuel Perrier, <laughs> assistant director of the art school, said. The communications campaign was made from the U.S. Perrier added to CNN that the school took down its American website Friday, after students told the school about the altered image but wouldn't reveal the name of the communications company in question. He did, however, tell the network that the school's contract with the company is over and that school officials would like to file a complaint. So I'm looking at it. It's, it's almost hilarious how obviously they... <laughs> Snopes.com. 
The photograph used for University of Minnesota uh, of Wisconsin application booklet was altered That's to right. include the face of a black student. Yep. True. This is a true picture that shows the yep. UW-Madison undergraduate application with a black student that has been edited into the picture <laughs> compared to... It's as if, you know, like when we would do those fake, you know, Roycey, hey, and yeah. you put your face yeah. on it. Yeah. That's exactly... There's a black guy just smiling and having a great time. Honest to God. It said it was a very... It was um, 2001-2 school year. Isn't that something? That's really bad. What and wow. sorry, Rook. What what year was that from? Well, it says the uh, on the an embarrassing moment promoting racial diversity came to light in September 2000 when it was revealed that a photograph used to adorn the UW Madison undergraduate app booklet for the 0102 school year had been altered. So 2001, 2002. You know, one of the things I would have been interested in asking George Will, uh, and I will. I, I anticipate we will we will have him. Uh, I wonder if he would agree with me that the word uh, racist and racism is no longer has any meaning. That it's been so sure. Uh, it's been so uh, bandied about. It's just it's such a quick weapon to throw at someone that it's lost its power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to read one more paragraph from his piece today because uh, it's astonishing. Explicit racism, having been substantially reduced in American society, a multi-billion-dollar industry for consultants and corporate diversity officers, academic deans, etc. UCLA's vice chancellor for equity, diversity, and inclusion earns more than four hundred thousand uh, dollars. It is assumed to be ubiquitous. Uh, racism, in other words, is assumed to be ubiquitous until proven otherwise. So detecting it is steady work. Undetectable without arcane tests and expensive experts, you would never know. You never know when it has been expunged, and government supervision of everything must be minute and unending. Uh, and always there is a trickle of peculiar language. The associate vice chancellor and dean of students at the University of California, Berkeley, where the Division of Equity and Inclusion has a staff of 150, urges students to listen with integrity. In other words, listen for. Listen for anything. We'll turn it into a slight. Right. That's their business. Yeah, that keeps them uh, well-funded in the news. Uh, yeah, anything that can be construed as bigotry or hatred should be so construed. So they're finding it. Wherever they want to look for it, they're finding it. That's their job. Uh, if you do not understand the peculiar patois spoken by the Academy's administrators, try listening with more integrity. All right. Destroyed Academy. It's uh, it's everywhere around us.